0: How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Can you say amen? amen. God is good, isn't he? Yes. He can't get no gooder. Yes. And it's good to see all of you here this morning looking great. I'm happy to be in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, thank you today for giving us the privilege of being in your house. I pray, Father, that your word would come forth. Like the prophet Jeremiah said, when your words came to me, I ate them. And they became to me the joy and the delight of my soul. And God, I pray that your word would come to us today and that we would learn to eat your words, to digest them, to take them into our innermost being, that they would become the joy and the delight of our souls. We love you. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen i got a very simple message for you this morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. <laughs> Ephesians 3, verses 20 through 22. And uh, I'm just going to read it to you. You can be turning there uh, as we go. It says, Now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That was the New King James Version. I'm going to read it out of the New International Version. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want to draw your attention to something. We've heard this verse many, many times. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. God can exceed our expectations at any moment. What we think he can do, he can do more. And what we think he wants to do, he wants to do more. God is in the business of exceeding expectations. He does works that are surprising. He does stuff that we never thought he would do. You ever had a crazy blessing, a stupid blessing? You know what I'm talking about? You ever got a stupid blessing? A blessing where you thought, I don't know where that came from or why I got it or why I deserve it, but I'm thankful for it. Like, I didn't deserve that. I didn't expect that. I didn't see that one coming. You ever had a blessing slap you in the face? He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we could ever ask or imagine And he is in the business of doing so, and it delights him to do so. We have to get it in our heads that God desires to do more than we ask. He is more willing to give than we are to receive. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. The things that we're hungry for, the things that we're crying out for, is not even a drop in the bucket compared to what God desires to give us and compared to what he's planned to give us. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. God has so much more in store for those of us who love him than we could ever ask or imagine. But the part of this verse that we often overlook is that he says, according to the power of, that is already at work within us. Already at work in you is a power that God has already placed within you through which God is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above all that you could ever ask or imagine. We're constantly asking God to give us more when we haven't even utilized what he's already given us already lord i need more of your power and god is saying i've already put enough power in you to bring about more than you could ever ask or imagine and you're asking me for more you haven't even eaten what's on your plate (laughs) my daughter does that all the time cut up last night we were eating dinner and my wife cuts up little pieces of chicken and puts it on her plate and she eats a couple of little those pieces of chicken and then she looks at my plate and i got pieces of chicken and she goes i want that chicken and I said, no, that's daddy's chicken. That's grown folk chicken. That's baby chicken. When you get done eating baby chicken, then I'll give you some grown-up chicken. But she wanted to skip over the baby chicken and go straight to the grown-up All chicken. Right. Now, the only difference between the baby chicken and the grown-up chicken is that the baby chicken was grown-up chicken cut up into little pieces. All right. It's the same chicken. And you look at somebody's chicken and think it's bigger than yours. How often have you looked at the power of God at work in somebody else's life and thought, I wish I had what they have. You have what they have. It's the same chicken. The same Jesus that lives in them lives in you. The same Jesus that died for them died for you. The same Holy Spirit that dwells in them dwells in you. I don't care how powerful any man or woman of God is that you see. It's the same chicken. It's already in you. The problem is we don't know what's in us. We don't know what's in us. We don't know what it means. We have yet to come to grips with the ramifications of the fact that God lives on the inside of us through faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, can you even comprehend that? God lives in you. The creator of the heavens and the earth The scripture says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens formed, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. He said, let there be light, and there was light. That God, that God that parted the Red Sea so that the people of Israel could cross over on dry ground, that God, that God, the same God that appeared to Moses in the burning bush, he lives inside you through faith in Jesus Christ. How could you ask for more? Oh, God, I want more of your power. Are you kidding me? You are indwelt with the very power that brings life from the dead and calls those things which are not as though they were. The problem is that we don't know how to steward that life. You see, you can possess something and that possession be a reality but not have access to any of the benefits of that possession if you don't know how to steward it. We are so quick to say that we don't have something. We are so quick to say, I don't have it. I don't have it. Kind of like the man at the pools of Bethesda. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the author of life is standing in front of him saying, Would you like to be made whole? And he, he starts talking immediately about what he doesn't have. Thank you. But I don't have anybody. Nobody loves me. Everybody else has somebody right. there for them, but I don't have anybody. You're making excuses, and you're standing in front of the king of kings that with one word from his mouth, he can give you everything that you're crying out for, but you're still you're not crying out for anything. You're crying about what you don't have. We need to stop crying about and start crying out. All right. <laughs> Are you with me? There's more in you than you think yes, Lord. you got so much more than you think you have. Yes. You got more than, you know, That's Paul true. tells Timothy in second Timothy chapter one, verse six, therefore, and Timothy's a young pastor. He's the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Paul sent him there. And Paul sent him on a lot of trips, and it's easy for a young pastor to feel inadequate. It's easy for a young pastor to feel like he doesn't have the right stuff. It's easy for a young pastor to feel inexperienced. Timothy has to pastor people who are a lot older than him. Yes. Who had even been in the Lord longer than he had been. All right. People that he felt like were more gifted than him. And Paul writes to him in 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You know what Paul is saying to Timothy? You have no idea what happened when I laid my hands on you. Yes, Lord. You thought you didn't get nothing. I'm telling you, you got everything you needed. All you got to do is stir up what's in you. Timothy probably wrote Paul and said, I need more anointing. I need more experience. I need more knowledge. I need more wisdom. I need more understanding. I need more power. I need more insight. I need more revelation. And Paul says, just stir up what's already in you. It's in you. It's in you. He said it again in in, in, uh, 1 Timothy 4.14. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Timothy, you're full of gifts. You're full of gifts. You're so full of gifts, it's like Christmas morning. The problem is they're all wrapped up and still under the tree. You haven't opened a single one of them. Instead, you're crying out, Daddy, we want more presents. Thank you, Jesus. Stir it up. Fan it into flames. Fan it into flames. You know, one of the things that I hear hear people say all the time is, uh, well, the problem is I don't have enough discipline. I don't have enough discipline. A lot of, lot of us, we, we say, man, if I just had more discipline, I could do so much more if I was a more disciplined person. You ever felt like everybody around you was more disciplined than you? Oh yeah. You know what? Yes. This is going to set you free. Yes. There's no such thing as an undisciplined human being. Now. You are extremely disciplined. Every single morning, without fail, you wake up. That takes some discipline. You ever just skip the morning, slept all the way through the day and all night long till the next morning? Mm -hmm. No, you get up every morning. I mean, you wake up. You You might not get out of bed, but you wake up. Number two, you eat every day. I mean, you are so disciplined. And most days you eat about three times, sometimes four or five. You'll eat three meals and you are so diligent, you'll go back for snacks in between those meals. Why? Because you know you've got to provide this body with energy. And so you are diligent to do that, which supplies your body with energy. You take baths or showers, hopefully daily. (laughs) Some of you quasi daily, but you're still, it takes great discipline great discipline. I love this one. All right. You put on socks and shoes every morning. I mean, every morning without fail, you get up after you finish showering, you dry off your body and you have the system to protect your feet. Yeah, yeah. It's called socks mm-hmm. and shoes. Yeah, yeah. And you're extremely systematic about the way you buy shoes. You make sure that they are the size that fit your feet. Then you lace them up and you tie them, but not so tight that they strangle the life out of your feet, and not so loose that they fall off of your feet. You are extremely disciplined. You're very disciplined. You have a routine that you do every single day, unless you're crazy. The problem is not that you need more discipline. The problem is that you think you're undisciplined, and so you don't tap into the power of discipline that you already possess. I remember I was working at a church in Santa Barbara. I was an assistant pastor at this church in Santa Barbara, and I was being reprimanded by the elders. I was called before the board of elders for um, what they called insubordination. And this was insubordination. I simply... Failed on a consistent basis to perform the tasks given to me by the senior pastor. So he would give me tasks and I would just fail to accomplish them. Really, I just didn't take it seriously. And I'd have meetings with him and he would give me ten things to do, and I'd go, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, got it. Yep, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. I'd walk right out of that room and forget everything he gave me. See, the Lord is paying me back. <laughs> no. <laughs> not talking about you, Joseph. (laughs) I remember after a certain period of time, I got called before the elders board and they were contemplating firing me and they grilled me, especially one particular elder grilled me for like 30 minutes. Just, I mean, they just, they just, and so, you know, I, I received all of this stuff and I said, you guys are right. I'm terribly sorry. I'm repentant. I'm sorry. And I finally just say, you know what? The problem is, I'm just an administrative klutz. I've never been an administrative person. I've never had the gift of administration. I've never, you know, I've just never been able to do administrative things. I'm disorganized. My whole life is disorganized, and I'm non-administrative. I'm just a spontaneous person that doesn't like order. And one of the elders said, Benjamin, that is a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He said, two Sundays ago, you preached a 45 minute sermon without notes from start to finish. You didn't look at your notes. You didn't even look at your Bible and you quoted every scripture that you came to now you can. And he said, the sermon was highly organized and it it was, it was, it was fluid from start to finish. You were going somewhere. There was never a time when you didn't know where you were going. You organized all of those thoughts in your head and delivered it to us. In a dynamic and powerful way without looking at any notes, you cannot be disorganized and do that. That's a lie from the devil. You know what that did to me? It opened my eyes to the fact that I wasn't tapping into the administrative power that was already at work within me. Whatever it is you think you lack, you don't lack it. You got it. It's already in you. You're just looking in the wrong place for it. You're not fanning it into flames, you're not embracing it, you're not utilizing it, you're not recognizing that it's already within you. This is very practical. It's not just some spiritual theory that God lives in you and he's high. You know, we talk about Jesus living in your heart and it just seems like this ethereal thing, you know, like he's in my aorta, in my left ventricle. No, he is very present in your life and he has deposited a whole host of gifts A whole host of abilities, a whole host of powers, and He's simply waiting for you and I to tap into them, to wake up, and to stop crying about what we don't have, and to recognize what we have. You know, I was talking to my spiritual father yesterday morning, and I check in with him uh, at least once a week, and and I was asking him to pray for me for some things, and I was sharing some things, and and I was saying, yeah, you know, and this is going on, and this is going on, and and this is going on, and. And I, I shared one particular thing with him. I said, and you know, this, this thing is really on my heart. Can you just pray for breakthrough in that area? And he said, I don't know why, Benjamin, you've shared that like three times. But every time you share it, I can't get a burden for it in the spirit. So I can't even pray for it. It's just like a little gnat flying around your head. You don't pray for that. You just sweep it away and keep moving. And he said, for some reason, just in my heart, that's not even an issue. It's just, I mean, you're fixated on this thing, but it's not even real. You just need to push past that. And he said, here are the things I'm praying for for you. And he started naming these big things. I want to see your, I want to see living hope get a new building. That's what I'm pressing through in the spirit. I'm not praying about that little nat stuff. I'm praying for your new building. I, I want to see this happen. I want to see this. And he starts naming these big things. I want to see revival break out at living hope. I want to see thousands of souls come to Christ. I'm not praying about little $5, you know, little $10 problems that you got, you know, forget that little stuff. And then I told him, oh, by the way, this happened yesterday. And I told him about you know, some stuff that the Lord had been doing. I said, by the way, this happened. And he goes, why didn't you tell me that? He said, all morning long, you've been sharing all this nonsense with me. You come to me with all this foolishness about what God hasn't done. Meanwhile, God has done this marvelous thing, and you're not even talking about it. All you've been talking all day long is nonsense. He said, quit bringing me all this foolishness. Tell me what the Lord he said the first thing out of your mouth this morning should have been guess what the Lord did right. Guess what God did? You know, God could have raised the dead yesterday, and we 're crying because we 're five dollars short on the rent All today. Right. All right Thank you Jesus The Israelites saw God send ten plagues on Egypt, part the Red Sea, bring them through on dry ground, and drown the, the Egyptians before their very eyes. And they had a Holy Ghost party right then. Oh, yeah. You know, they shouted and they danced and they worshiped and they sang among the gods who is like you. And, and you are mighty in power. Yahweh is a man of war and all of this yeah. stuff. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. They had a Holy Ghost party. All right. And a couple days later they were saying, Lord, you brought us out here to die. You just brought us out here to die. You just brought, you just forgot, you just, you just, you know what? We can get so quickly disconnected to the power of God that is already at work in our lives. And here's the key. When you start feeling like you're not making any progress, that's when you know that you are under the influence of the lies of the devil. When you feel like you're spinning your wheels and making no progress, when you feel like you're pressing and pressing and pressing and getting nowhere because the devil is scared to death that you're going to wake up and realize who you are in God. The devil is scared to death yes. that your eyes are going to be open and you're going to begin to see yourself through God's eyes. Yes, that you'll begin to see yourself as pure and blameless in his sight. That you'll begin to see yourself as chosen by him before the foundation of the world. That you'll begin to see yourself as sealed by the power of his Holy Spirit. That you'll begin to see yourself as clothed in his power yes. and indwelt by the very presence yes. of God. Because if you can begin to see that, it'll change your life. Yeah, Lord. That's real. Do you know that if you saw your glorified self walking down the street, You'd be tempted to bow down and worship yourself. All right. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank We're you. gonna be like him, it says. Yes, Lord. Because we'll see him as he is. How can you be depressed when you know what you're becoming? All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My, my, my. night before last I was I was um, <laughs> I, I <coughs> trying to organize my life because pastoring two churches, it takes a heck of a lot of detail and attention. And so I, I got this new calendar app on my iPad and I bought I bought this application and it, it uh, syncs with Google Cal, with Google calendars. And so I, I had both church calendars out in front of me and I was entering in, you know, everything from both churches. So and we have all these multi processes happening at the same time, six week processes, eight week processes. And it starts on this date at Living Hope, but it starts on this date at the ark. And, and, you know, so they're going, so I need to see, I need to be able to look at my calendar and see where we are in the midst of which process. And so I spent on Friday night, I spent about four or five hours entering all of this stuff into this new calendar that I bought, you know, this new app. And I, w- I felt great at the end of it because I had, you know, my life is organized. It's all there and it feels good, right? It's about two o'clock in the morning, Friday night, and I finished and I felt good. And then I hit sync and it deleted the whole thing. You ever felt like you just got punched in the stomach? Like somebody just walked up to you and just punched you in the stomach as hard as they could? That's how I felt at that moment. I just couldn't breathe for a second. Just can't talk. Something ever hit just hit you so hard you can't talk? I felt like my whole life just went into complete chaos at that moment. Like I just lost. Just everything went out of control at that moment. I felt impotent. I lost all of my power. For a moment, I felt like, how am I going to lead the churches now? Because right. 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 that's really what gives me the power to govern is a calendar, yes. <laughs> right? This app. It's not the call of God. It's not the power of God. It's this app. Yes. <laughs> <Hallelujah>. <laughs> right? And, 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 and then all of a sudden, my, my iPad goes ding. It's a new, new email came through, and I checked my emails. And it was an email from Pastor Christian Lee in Korea. And he had, he had sent this email to his core leaders, and he cc'd me and my wife. And he said to his core leaders, he says, When Aaron and I were in California, Pastor Benjamin spoke the following prophetic word over us. And he transcribed it, typed it out. And then after that, he said, Here's how it has already been fulfilled in the last week and a half. And he gives specific situations. Bam, fulfillment, 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 right? And then he attached the audio clip of that prophetic word that I would spoke over him. Just a little audio clip, just a, just a few minutes. And my wife had spoken, and I had spoken. And, and uh, man, I saw that. And then I listened. And I remember I read that word, and I thought, I don't even remember saying that. Right. When was that? I said to my wife, when did I say that? Did you, did you remember? I thought, he must be mistaken. <laughs> It must have been somebody else that did that. And then, and then I, I, uh, I, I clicked the audio file because I almost didn't believe it. And so I clicked the little audio clip, and I listened to it. I said, wow, I did say that. And th- that, man, that, that man that's speaking on that audio clip, he's powerful. Yeah. No, there's anointing on his life. All right. All he's, pow- he's really powerful. Wow. You know what? All of a sudden, I felt the presence of God. And when I turn that off, I just started praying. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I start praying and worshiping, and then I get in, I get in the Word, and, and the Lord starts giving me worth, and I'm telling my wife, baby, did you see this? And all of a sudden, I mean, it just turned into this powerful time of worship, and revelation starts flowing, and God starts speaking. It broke me through into a completely new level. All right. And all God did was show me how powerful I had always been, but I just had a moment where I forgot. The problem is that the body of Christ, the average Christian, is suffering from a state of spiritual amnesia. Yes, Thank you Jesus. you yes, forgot Lord. who you were. All right. Have you seen the movie The Born Identity? <laughs> I like now, I read the book when I was in high school. And <laughs> all three books, The Born Identity, The Born Supremacy, The Born Ultimatum, they have nothing to do with the movie. So just get yes. that out of your mind, okay? Right. The and books in the movie are so divergent. That 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 uh, I mean, they don't even recognize each other. But the, the key is that Jason Bourne in the book, in the beginning of the book, he washes up on the shore of an Eastern European country and he's in a coma and he's got a bullet in his head. And he wakes up from the coma several months later in a doctor's office and he has no idea who he is. He has no idea who he is. And he begins to discover piece by piece by piece just how powerful he is. He didn't know that he could fight until five guys attacked him yeah. <laughs> and he put them all in the hospital. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he walked out of that situation and said, I pity the fool that attacks me next. <laughs> you wonder why sometimes God lets devils attack you because you have no idea how powerful you are. Yes, Lord. You have he God, you God knows that you won't know that you can fight until he puts you in a fight. Yellow. Sometimes God picks fights. <laughs> to get you in a fight. I mean, he picks fights with the devil just so that you can beat them up. Yes, Lord. Are you hearing me today? You, God is dead set on showing you how powerful you are in him. And here's the key. The key is that God is in the process not only of revealing to you who he is, but revealing to you who you are. He wants you to see that already he's given you the, the, everything you need for life and godliness. He's given you his presence. He's given you his spirit. He's given you his word. Yeah. All it takes is some stewardship. Stewardship. Now I want to talk about stewardship just for a moment. Right. The key to unleashing the power that God has already put inside of you is stewardship. Right. The reason we don't see that power released is because we don't know how to steward it. Right. First and foremost, because we're not aware of it. But becoming aware of it is not enough. It's not enough to to have a moment where you realize, hey, I'm powerful. Uh I got some anointment. That's not enough. You have to learn how to steward it. The first step is recognition. Mm -hmm. The second step is prayer. And the third step step is activation. You got to do something with it. You know, I'll never forget when the Lord began to speak to me about the gift of healing. First of all, I was, I, was in, uh, I was 17 years old, and I was on a bus coming home from work, and this old lady said to me on the bus. I was on the wrong bus, actually. And it was just me and this old lady on the bus by ourselves. Nobody else on the bus. I thought, this is weird. This is like a scene from The Twilight Zone or something. I get on the wrong bus, and it's just me and this old lady. And she looks over at me. and She says, young man, there's a call of God on your life. Right. I was 17 years old. I said, okay, you got my attention now. She said, the Lord told me to tell you that you're going to preach all over the world. She said, I see a globe and I see your footprints all over it. And she said, I see you standing before large crowds of people. And the moment you walk in the room, the entire crowd stands to its feet to receive. you." She said, and this is what the Lord says. You're going to lay your hands on the sick and they're going to recover. God's going to give you the gift of healing. And everywhere you go, people are going to get healed. Miracles, yes. signs, and wonders are going to follow your ministry yes. everywhere you go. You're going to see the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. All of those miracles are going to follow your ministry everywhere you go. Yes. I was like, wow. Because, I mean, you know, this, she's confirming. God called me to the ministry when I was 11 years old, and I had dreamed of those things, but God hadn't spoken them to me directly until that day. Man, I went home, and I wrote down every word she said. And I went back to it, and I got in the prayer closet, and I prayed it, and I prayed it, and I received it, and I declared it, and I received it, and I declared it. About four years later, three years later, I was a Bible college student. And there was a guest speaker in town from Singapore, and he preached at our church that Sunday morning. And after service, I just walked up to the front to shake his hand. And I shook his hand, and he held my hand, and he looked at me, and he said, God is giving you the gift of healing signs and wonders and miracles are going to follow you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, the lame are going to walk, the blind are going to see, the deaf are going to hear. And I said, amen. Praise God. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. And I went home and I wrote that one down too. And I began to pray it and I began to declare it and I began to receive it. And then years went by. I went down to Fuller Seminary. I'm a grad student Mm -hmm. and I was leading worship at a conference. And there was this man that everybody knew to be a prophet of God. And he and I were uh, side by side in the urinal in the bathroom it's side by side urinals in the bathroom and you know and and he and he looked over at me and he said man of god he was he's from like africa somewhere man of god the lord told me to tell you that he's getting ready to release a miracle signs and wonders ministry through you that wherever you go the lame will walk the blind will see the deaf will hear god is going to do great and mighty miracles through you man of god and I said, yes, yes, I receive it. I know it's the Lord. I know it's the Lord. I receive it. I receive it. And years went by and we started the church and still there weren't very many miracles. All right. And I thought, Lord, I don't get it. You keep telling me this, but you're not doing it. All right. You know, don't say it till you're ready to do it. Yes, 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 yes. If you're ready to do it in five minutes, then tell me now. But don't tell me this when it's years down the road. Years and years and years and years and years. And we went to Indonesia on a mission trip. And all of a sudden, miracles started happening. But here's the key. Everywhere we went, we prayed for the sick. Everywhere we went, we prayed for the sick. And I remember we had, we had a medical clinic on that trip where Sister Albertine, she's a medical doctor. She... Uh, she um, treated 54 uh, people from the village that came. She Aww. examined them, you know, right. and then diagnosed them, and she wrote their little diagnosis on a card and then prescribed medication and then sent them to the pharmacist. Then they take their little card to the pharmacist, hand it to them, and then the pharmacist sees, and the pharmacist gives the medication. And then they would come over to the healing tent. And myself and another person were there laying hands on them in the healing tent, and 51 out of 54 of them were completely healed. And didn't need their medication anymore. I mean, it was amazing. God did so many miracles on that trip. It was beyond my wildest expectations. And I got on the plane to go home and I said, God, how can I make sure this keeps happening? And you know what he said? Keep praying for the sick. See, I can't use you in healing if you're not praying for the sick. Yes. Not enough to pray. You got to do something. You gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. You gotta make a decision. If God says He's giving you money, then go out and invest or get a job. All right. Oh, it got real quiet right ah, there. People are walking around saying, Oh no, God's yeah. promised me riches, God's promised me wealth, He's promised me for the kingdom. I'm gonna be a kingdom financier and I'm gonna sow millions into the kingdom of God. Okay, yeah. we'll give him something to bless. God's going to give me music. I know I'm going to be a great musician. Well, go buy an instrument. There you go. There you go. That's right. Do something. I'm going to be a preacher. Yeah. Be a great pastor. Okay, go to Bible college. Something. Get in an internship. Yeah. Something. Get in a place where you can activate the promise of God over your life. Yeah. Get in a setting where you can actually do something with what God's promised you. Yeah. That's how you begin to steward it. Yes, Lord. Paul says... Fan into flames the gift that's within you through the laying on of my hands. Fan it into flames, 2 Timothy 1.6. Fan it into flames. The NKJV says stir it up. Stir it up. Fan it into flames. Fan it into flames. Get that winnowing fan in your hand and just start. It might look like just an ember that's about to go out, but you can fan it back into flames. It looks like the fire is about to die and you're crying out for more fire. No, 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 no. Just steward that little ember steward it how yeah. fan it into flames yeah. fan it in the flame stir it up i love that you know yeah. stir it up stir yeah. it up stir it up it's like malto meal that you let sit on the stove for too long and it starts to get hard put a little hot water in there and stir it up come on stir it up don't throw that out that's still good put a little brown sugar and butter yeah. in it and come on somebody Are you with me? Stir it up. Come on. I'm trying to stir you up this morning. I'm trying to stir you up this morning. It's like Christmas in here. It's like this room is full of gifts, but they're still wrapped, and they're still under the tree. It's like Christmas, and every day, God wakes up and says, one day, they're going to open these gifts. One day, they're going to open it. Can you imagine Christmas morning? You're all excited. You've wrapped all these gifts for your kids, and your kids come downstairs, and they walk right past the tree. And say, but look, look at these gifts. They're all wrapped and they're ready for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come back later. We'll, we'll get them later. We'll get them later. We'll get them later. I'm hungry. Let's get some food. Man, I remember Christmas Eve night, me and my brothers couldn't sleep. That's right. We were looking at the clock. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they say, Mom, I remember the first year when we were old enough to, to know that something was about to happen in the morning, my mother said, okay, you can't open them till Christmas. 12.01, we were knocking on her door. Mom, it's Christmas. And so she she said, "I got to be more specific. Six a.m. You can't open them till six a.m. Man, we couldn't sleep all night. We're laying there looking at the clock, rolling around six a.m. Mom, wake up! It's Christmas. Why? We're so excited because we know that Mom and Dad love us so much that whatever's wrapped up there, we can't see it, but we know it's good." You gotta begin to believe that about your father in heaven. You can't see it, but you gotta know that it's good. He's a good God and he does good things for his sons and daughters. He got some good stuff for you. It's wrapped up, but he's waiting for us to just come down and open it up and say, I just I just can't wait to see what God's put in me. I just can't I'm just gonna try some stuff. And listen, you shouldn't be when when you're stepping in the direction of the passion that God's put in your heart, you shouldn't be half stepping, Oh well I don't know if I can do this. Oh, maybe maybe I'm going to fail. Oh, I know, I know I'm not smart as anybody else here. Uh, I can't stand when people talk that way in school and, everybody, and especially this pe- those people who go, Oh, I know I'm going to fail this test. Oh, I just know I'm going to fail this test. Oh, I'm not as smart as other people. Oh, everybody around me is smart. Just be quiet. Most of the time it's false humility anyway. The people who said that are getting 98%. 96%. .7 percent, but it's the people that don't care that, fa- that failed the test. You know who fails the test? The people who could care less about it. Right. I remember being in, in, in Algebra one, and there was a, a guy sitting next to me named John Dell, and he slept through every class, and the teacher woke him up one time and asked him a question. He looked at her, looked at her like she had just stole something from him. And he said, "Just give me my D- minus so I can graduate," and put his head back down and went back to sleep. Yeah, he failed the test. If you settle it in your heart that God only gives good gifts, even if you hit a setback, you don't take a step back. That's right. That's right. You get ready for your comeback. All right. All right. Everything that looks like a setback in God's eyes is actually a setup. I remember my friend John Mark, he and I took Greek together. And that brother studied eight hours a day outside of the classroom. We were in the classroom four hours a day, three days a week. And with studying eight hours a day, seven days a week, he barely got a C in the class. And I found out that was his second time taking it. The first time he got an F in the class. Now, he and I were in the same small group together. We were in the same study group. So I was working with this guy. I was pulling for him. For some reason, that particular class came easy for me, but it was to, for him it was like it was like it could have been it might as well have been rocket science mm-hmm. and and he but you know what the funny thing was, he didn't care what anybody thought of him. I remember we were sitting in the class, and I had watched him study his brains out, and we took a test and and he failed it. and the professor came over and looked at his grade in front of the whole class looked at his grade and said. You didn't study and walked away. I wanted to jump up and say, hold on a second. I watched this man study. You know, I wanted to kind of just get his back right there. No, this brothers he's here by the grace of God. But he just smiled. He didn't say anything. He just smiled. He just smiled. He knew that people didn't think he was doing his best. But he was absolutely doing his best. All right. But he wasn't discouraged. You know what? He got a C. And he was like, Yes. Yes, I got through it. I got through it. He took it a third time. And I think he got a B or a B plus. Had he taken it again, he would have got an A. All right. All right. It was a setback, but he did not assume that because it didn't come for him as easy as it did for others, that he might as well quit and find something else, Amen. that this isn't what Amen. God has for him. Amen. He understood that sometimes opening up the gifts that God has given you takes some tenacity. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because he who comes to God must believe, number one, that he is, meaning that he exists. Everybody got that down? Okay, all right, good. That's step one. And number two, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that one is a little bit more difficult because all of us have places in our life where we feel like we've sown and sown and sown and reaped nothing. Where we feel like we've pressed and pressed and pressed and gotten nowhere. Where we feel like we've tried and tried and tried and failed again and again and again. You know what God expects of us? He expects of us to get up and believe that there is absolutely no way that I can continue to diligently seek the Lord and not find Him. He rewards those who diligently seek him. I'm telling you that many of you in this room right now feel like you've made no progress. You feel like you've sown much and reaped little. And you feel like you've taken what you've received and put it in pockets with holes in it. And you feel like you've set your harvest outside and the wind blew it all away. You feel like you've lost on so many fronts and some of you have even begun to feel like maybe you're even cursed. I'm here to tell you that God is doing a secret work in your oh, life. Yes. And that that's if you real. were able to see the power of what yes. God is doing in your life, it would shock you. Yes, it will. The only thing that's happened is, is maybe your, your Google calendar deleted all of your work. <laughs> Something little like that that causes us to think that we're complete failures now. But you don't know that the word you spoke to somebody yesterday set them free already. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That Amen. you spoke a word over somebody yesterday that released them into a new season, and here's the key: you can't tell how powerful you are by looking at your own life. Amen. All right. Amen. That's Amen. That's real. Amen. 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 You really discover the power that's in you mm. when you start pouring it into somebody else. Yes. All right. yes. That's really and some cool. of you haven't seen what's in you because you haven't taken the step of pouring anything into now. anybody else. Now. Because you don 't think you have anything, right. you start pouring just just find somebody to pour something into you don 't have to try to become their rabbi or their teacher or their mentor or their you know their pastor. Right. Just sow something, maybe you got an extra ten dollars a week that you can find somebody and sow that ten dollars into their life. maybe you got wor- maybe words of encouragement you can just encourage somebody and tell them that they 're doing good maybe maybe. You've just got some wisdom that you can share with somebody. You've got something that you can pour into somebody's life. All you've got to do is begin to share what you've got with others. And when you see what comes back to you, you'll be shocked at how God took that little gift that you yes, sowed into somebody's life and changed their life with it. Yes, Lord. You have no idea how powerful you are. The power is already at work within you. Already. You don't need more. You need to steward what you've got. You need to eat the chicken on your plate. And stop thinking that it's not the same caliber of chicken that's on somebody else's plate. It may be cut differently, but it's the same chicken. Let's pray. Father, I speak your blessing over these sons and daughters of yours today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I speak encouragement. A couple of weeks ago, I preached on life without lust. God wants to take us out of the realm of lust completely and into the realm of love. We said that lust is anything that you enjoy apart from God, but love is anything you enjoy with God. Today's message goes right along with that. Just as I want you to get a vision for life without lust, I want you to get a vision for life without discouragement. Discouragement happens when you look at the quality of your life through lenses other than God's lenses. Discouragement happens when you look at yourself through your own eyes, but encouragement happens when you look at yourself through God's eyes. You look at yourself through your own eyes, you feel like you're dirty, but you look at yourself through God's eyes and you see that you're pure and holy in his sight. You look at yourself through your own eyes and you feel that you're rejected But you look at yourself through God's eyes and you see that you've been chosen by him before the foundation of the world. You look at yourself through your own eyes and you feel powerless. But you look at yourself through God's eyes and you see how powerful you really are. You see that he's already given you everything necessary for life and godliness. You see that he's made you to participate in his divine nature. Encouragement happens when you see yourself as God sees you. And I pray today that God would lift up your vision, that he would open your eyes and cause you to see yourself through his eyes, that you would stop knowing yourself directly and begin to know yourself as he knows you. Life without discouragement. Man, had I only known what was happening on the other side of the world, that the word that I had spoken was already coming to pass in someone's life, I wouldn't have even wasted my time, even five minutes being discouraged because some calendar app didn't work. Listen, if we knew fully what God was doing on our behalf, the place that he's preparing for us, the good that he's working on our behalf, we would never waste five minutes of our time being discouraged about anything. Anything we get discouraged about, it it just amounts to an application. Okay, your calendar got erased. That's all it amounts to. But you know what? God is taking us so far beyond that. He's taking us so far above that. You know what's better than having all of your schedule updated on your calendar? is knowing that your days are ordained by the Lord. Knowing that every step of a righteous man is ordered by God. Knowing that he who watches over you neither stumbles, neither slumbers, nor sleeps. Knowing that God watches over your going in and your coming out both now and forevermore. Knowing that God is a shield about you. He's your glory and the lifter of your head. Knowing that he's watching over you. He said that he's he's inscribed you in the palm of his hand and he's made you the apple of his eye. And he says that no one can take you out of his hand. I want to encourage you today. God loves you. He's got good things in store for you. And he doesn't see you the way you see yourself. You see yourself as a screw-up. God doesn't see that. You see yourself as a failure. God doesn't see that. And even if you walk in ways, you say, but yeah, but you don't know what I've been doing. You've only been doing that because you don't know who you are. You've only only been doing that because you think that that's who you are. God wants you to see you differently. And he wants you to see him differently. And he wants you to know just how much... Your Abba Papa, he loves you. Father, I pray that you would take us in your arms this morning and set us free. Set us free from those limitations of the flesh. Set us free from those limitations of discouragement and unbelief. Set us free from those limitations, that low estimation of you that leads to a low estimation of ourselves. Set us free. Open our eyes and cause us to see that our Heavenly Father, he's dying to give us some good gifts. He's dying to show us the good gifts he's already given us. And he's ready to do exceedingly abundantly and above all that we could ever ask or imagine according to the power that's already at work in us. Father, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. In Jesus' mighty name.